Hello, I am Dr. Whitley. And I'm Dr. Jane. And together we are Skin and Bones. You are listening to the first episode of our show. We met as classmates at the Duke University School of Medicine. And although we have pursued different medical paths, we realized that both dermatology and orthopedic surgery treat some of the most common medical conditions affecting the lives of everyday people. We share a passion for taking cutting-edge medical research and breaking it down so that you can take control of your health. We are here to answer your questions, so be sure to send them to our email address found on our podcast page. Today, we are going to talk about something that has most certainly affected your life in one way or another, back pain. As a spine surgeon, Dr. Jane is an expert in back pain, and she is here to answer our questions. Hi, Dr. Jane. Hi, Dr. Whitley. Thanks for that wonderful introduction. You know, I think that a lot of people suffer from back pain, and a lot of them might be wondering what causes back pain in the first place. This is a question that we get very, very frequently, and there are many different things that can cause back pain. Um, and in order to figure out what's causing the back pain, it is first important to have an understanding of the different parts of the back as each single part can contribute to back pain. So there are bones, um, the vertebra and the vertebral bodies. If there is an injury to any of these, they can cause back pain. Um, additionally, there are discs in the front of the spine that can get worn out and this can cause back pain. Additionally, there are small joints in the back of the spine and these are called the facet joints. They can also cause back pain. And finally, we have all the soft tissues, the ligaments, the muscles, and any of these structures can also contribute to back pain. So it's important to remember that pain in the back usually comes from one of these structures that I've mentioned. Other structures in the back are the nerves. These can also cause pain, but typically they tend to cause uh, lower extremity or leg pain as opposed to back pain. So um, injury or uh, damage to any of these structures that I mentioned can contribute to back pain. So you mentioned something about discs, and I, I feel like we hear a lot about disc disease. How is it that discs actually get worn out? That is the million-dollar question, and we have a pretty good understanding of it, um, you know, from a science perspective, um, but overall, I think our understanding of disc disease is pretty elementary as compared to other areas of medicine. So disc degeneration, there are a multitude of factors that can contribute to degeneration. Some of it is just age-old wear and tear. Um, you know, the older that we get, the more we load our discs. Um, and the more mechanical forces that the discs seize, and as a result, they tend to degrade over time. There are lots of other factors that can also contribute to disc degeneration. Some of those factors include poor blood supply to the discs, so it's been hypothesized that atherosclerosis or damage to the arteries can also cause disc degeneration. Um, other conditions that cause a pro-inflammatory state can also contribute to disc degeneration. So for example, obesity can uh, increase disc wear. Um, and so it's really multifactorial. And, and we as physicians and have a, a broad understanding of this, but I think that the future of medicine really relies on, on identifying exact molecules that can impact disc degeneration. And if you are experiencing disc degeneration, what kind of pain would you expect to have? 
Again, every patient is different, um, and oftentimes it's hard to distinguish disc pain from facet pain, from muscular pain. We say that patients that have pain when they bend forward as opposed to bend backward tend to be more uh, disc-related, but as I said, usually a lot of these pathologies coexist. So in patients who have disc degeneration, they oftentimes also have facet degeneration, or they also also might have muscle pain. Um, And so they often coexist, and sometimes it can be quite difficult to distinguish exactly which part of the spine is causing pain. Now, let's say you do have back pain. I know you mentioned that most of the time, back pain is best managed non-surgically. So what are some recommendations you would make for patients that are not a candidate for surgery? Sure. So based on the physical exam and talking into the patient, um, we can get somewhat of an idea uh, where pain is coming from. Um, So if we think it's more disc-related or more facet-related, that can help us decide um, how we want to proceed. So in the category of non-operative management, there are a few options. And the first option is medication management. And this uh, includes medications like anti-inflammatory medications, as well as muscle relaxants. Uh, Physical therapy also plays a large part in uh, non-operative management of back pain. Uh, Physical therapy um, focuses really on strengthening the muscles around the back. And that's not going to change the ultimate pathology. If the disc is degraded, it's not going to fix the disc. But it does um, uh, increase the strength of all of the muscles around it and can really improve symptoms um, when it comes to treating low back pain. Finally, there are a variety of injections. And again, this is more specific to um, where we think the pain might be coming from. So um, for facet pain, for example, which is a small joint in the back, we can inject the facet joint, very similar to the way that we inject the knee joint or the shoulder joint if um, there's arthritis in these areas. Uh, We can inject like a steroid, for example, into the facet joint. Um, A lot of people might have heard of um, things like epidural steroid injections. Epidural steroid injections um, can be very useful in calming nerve-related pain. And again, these have uh, to do with pain that tends to radiate more towards the legs. So uh, for our listeners at home who may be dealing with back pain, are there any particular exercises or ways they can adjust their posture that might help them manage their pain? You know, we get asked these questions a lot, um, especially as surgeons. And to be frank, there's no absolute um, evidence-based approach to this. Um, Physical therapists are definitely experts when it comes to managing um, these types of questions. And it's also very patient-specific. So what I like to tell patients is that um, I think it's good to work with your physical therapist in order to find positions that are comfortable for you. There is no right or wrong answer to any of this. The other thing that I really emphasize to patients with low back pain, especially low back pain that is what we call chronic or has been going on for a very long time, is it is incredibly important to stay active. As orthopedic surgeons, our goal is always to restore or maintain function. Um, And one of the worst things that we can see is to see a patient progressively lose function. So in the acute setting, I might recommend a very short course of decreasing activity level, but beyond the first few days after an acute episode, um, I definitely recommend that patients stay active as much as possible. 
That's great information, information that I think our listeners can use at home. Um, one additional thing I think that's important, at what point should someone be really worried about their back pain and what would be a reason to go see a doctor as quickly as possible? So we look for things called red flag signs. And these are signs that might be concerning for a more sinister process going on. So the majority of patients who have low back pain have just run-of-the-mill back pain that's caused either by muscle spasms, tearing a muscle, or um, by arthritis. Um, and in fact, low back pain is the second most uh, common cause of visit to a primary care doctor. Um, and in, as you mentioned, in the majority of settings, that this is not too concerning. But things that we look for um, are these red flag signs are patients who are elderly. Um, we define elderly very vaguely, but um, you know, over the age of 65. Uh, patients who have any fevers or chills associated with their back pain or patients um, that have weight loss. All of these can indicate that there might be something more serious going on. Also, patients who have back pain in the setting of a trauma, um, you know, if someone's in a car accident that's high energy or, a sub or uh, sustains a substantial fall, uh, these are all uh, concerning, uh, concerning things for back pain. That's great. Thank you. That's very helpful. I think that'll help our listeners get a good start on thinking about their back pain and how they can address it. So, Dr. Jane, we talked about some non-surgical management for back pain, as well as when to be worried about your back pain and seek care from a doctor. Can you talk to us about what cases um, you would do surgery for? Absolutely. So some of um, I'm going to exclude all of those, um, what I call red flag signs, um, and really focus on the patients that have chronic back pain. So we consider surgery in patients with very specific pathologies or reasons for their back pain. Um, and um, in particular, um, there are a few diagnoses that potentially surgery can help back pain. Um, and uh, those include degenerative spondylolisthesis, or when there's a slip disc, or evidence of some kind of instability in the spine, or an isthmic spondylolisthesis, where there is a chronic fracture in the spine. In those cases, surgery can indeed help back pain. In general, we consider surgery a good option uh, for patients who have nerve-related symptoms. Um, that might have nerve compression, and spine surgery is very, very effective in treating nerve-related pain. Um, so anyone with a pinched nerve or anyone with what we call spinal stenosis that have um, a lot of leg pain, that is pain that can be quite effectively treated with surgery. Now, as I mentioned, there are a lot of other causes of back pain that might be more serious, um, and oftentimes those causes um, can be surgical. Um, but really, in this case, I'm going to address those um, more chronic uh, back pain issues. We do recommend um, trial of non-operative management. Um, in other words, um, trying uh, physical therapy and anti-inflammatory medications, as well as injections if they're appropriate, uh, for about six weeks. Uh, before even considering surgery, because um, the majority of patients will indeed improve with these non-operative treatment strategies. Um, and we like to reserve surgery for the patients that really have persistent symptoms. Um, and those are the patients that tend to do better with surgery. 
And if a patient does go to surgery, what percentage of patients are actually better after surgery? And what does that recovery time look like? That's so highly variable, and it really depends on the kind of surgery um, that's being performed. Uh, we perform surgeries that are as least invasive as, as what's called a micro disc, or just taking out a disc fragment that might be uh, pinching on a nerve. And we do surgeries that are as big and complicated as fusing the entire thoracic spine and lumbar spine. And these surgeries um, are much more invasive with a lot of blood loss and a much longer recovery period. Um, so it really just depends on the patient's pathology um, in terms of thinking about what kind of surgery and how long the recovery time is. Well, great. That was very informative. And I hope our listeners enjoyed it as well. Well, thank you very much, Dr. Whitley, for joining me today.